0: You ever been on a road trip? Oh yeah. When I was growing up, we didn't take many road trips in our family. About the the biggest, longest road trip we would take would be about four hours to go see grandma who lived in rural Colorado. So anything more than four hours was like not gonna happen. But as I grew older, I really began to love road trips. I mean, road trips are really, really cool, especially the really long ones. Um, There's some some pros and cons to road trips. Uh, Some of the pros, are that you see parts of the country, parts of the USA that maybe are unfamiliar to you. I don't know if you've ever like gone down on 95, and as soon as you cross like a state line, just everything looks different. Or if you've ever gone out west, I mean every the landscape looks different, the sky looks different, so it kind of just takes you out of your little, little bubble. Um, there's extended time to think and to listen to stuff, maybe listen to audiobooks or podcasts or music. Um, there are 683 Cracker Barrels in the country, so you can visit them just like all on your road trip. So those are some of the pros of a road trip. But there's some cons, cons to road trips. Uh, a couple of them are that gas right now is so expensive; it's probably cheaper to fly. Have you noticed that? That's not good. Um, sometimes the first couple hours are fun, but then, like the doldrums of the road trip set in. And you're like, oh my how is this thing ever going to end? I've only got 17 hours to go, yay. And so after a while, it just becomes really, really monotonous. I once took a solo road trip from Florida to California. And so I took my Bronco 2. I loaded a U-Haul trailer in there and everything I owned. Um, this is going to date me a little bit, but I put a man on my <laughs> dashboard. but it, and So it wouldn't skip whenever I bump. I put some Velcro on it, so it would just like, and I took three of my Creed CDs for my trip from Florida to California. And there's a stretch there. When I hit Beaumont, Texas to El Paso, Texas, it makes a big smiley face. That is not a happy trip. 831 miles. I didn't even have to look that up because I am so traumatized by Beaumont Texas to El Paso because it is 831 miles of not a whole lot. I'm sorry if you're from Texas, and that's a beautiful part of the country, I'm sure, but it was very monotonous. Just, man, I, how much creed can you listen to in 831 miles? I mean, so it's really scarred me with creed music and also a lot of road trips through Texas. Um, when I was a kid, uh, this is how you got through road trips. We used to have this thing called road trip uh, bingo, auto bingo. You guys ever play that? And if you're like not 50 years old, you are missing out, because road trips now for you are easy. You get like movies and games and internet, all that kind of stuff. We had to do that, so no wonder we didn't take longer road trips. I think life is kind of like one big, long road trip. It's got a couple of highlights. It's got a couple of lowlights, but most of life is just this monotony, this day in and day out of repetition. Now, every car, whether you're on a road trip or not, every car has something that's unique, or not unique, it's, every car has this. It's a rear view mirror, right? Every car has a rear view mirror, so you're always able to kind of look what's behind you. You have the benefit of hindsight, of 2020 vision. Sometimes we wish in life we could like, redo some decades, but you know it's in the past, we can't do anything about it, but we see it so clearly. If only I could go back 10, 20 years and I would just change everything. I would make all sorts of different mistakes. Uh, So every car has one of those, but not every car has... I've I've got one of my cars, um, it's a little bit newer of a model, and it's got some kind of like fangled thing that looks ahead. It does some cool things, like if I have the bright lights on and there's another car coming, it automatically dims it. I used to have to like press the floor switch for like brights, but now it just does it by itself. If I'm on cruise control and I'm coming up fast on another car, it slows down, which is really annoying, but it still keeps you safe. Someone comes out and walks right in front of you, it like will break and save that person's life so every car that's you know a lot of these new cars they have this sort of like forward looking kind of mechanism and that's what I want our lives to be more about as we kind of look forward as we look forward like the destination where we want to get to in life that we would not always just look in the rearview mirror but we would kind of look ahead and make different decisions that would help us become uh, more fully alive and more fully human and have less regrets. So today I wanna give you three road trip rules. These are three simple guidelines that will make the road trip of life not only more bearable, but allow us to reach our intended destination, our future that we wanna create for ourselves safely. And then when we look back years from now, we will have a lot less regrets. Doesn't that sound good? Don't we all wanna live with a lot less regrets? Okay, here's the first one. Road trip rule number one, don't travel alone. Do not travel alone. Don't do the road trip that I did all alone. All right, I want you to be less like Sylvester Stallone in Over the Top, an independent truck driver who goes from town to town and arm wrestles everybody. By the way, Over the Top is the best arm wrestling truck driver movie of all time. All right, if you've never seen it, it's it's best, hands down. So be less like over the top, sliced alone. Be more like the Griswolds in Vacation. <laughs> okay, I'm dating myself with these pretty lame pop culture references, but the Griswolds, I mean, taking a road trip together to Wally World, and all the fun that is. You know, when you're on a road trip with people, it goes a lot quicker, have you ever noticed that? There's conversation when you're in the company with others. Now, think about this in our three velocity rules. If you have come to Velocity for any amount of time, you hear us talk about these rules every single week. And really they're all similar in a way. The first rule is that no perfect people allowed. The third rule is that everyone's story matters. But it really has to do with rule number two is that no one stands alone. No one stands alone. And so our faith journeys are meant to be lived out in community with each other. No person is an island. We're not intended to live this Christian walk by ourselves. We're intended to do that together. So no one stands alone. And a lot of us, we have a tendency to stay isolated. We do. Especially for us introverts, I'm one of them. Probably about half the population is, is introverted. But I think even extroverts can, can struggle with this. We just kind of get into these, these pits of isolation where we just isolate ourselves from community and with other people. And the last two and a half years, we've been more isolated than ever. And am I here to argue the, benefits or the shortfalls of lockdowns or anything like that, but it's true that the last two and a half years, and this was already an issue in our culture, more isolation, more people shutting them off from from community. In the last two and a half years, we have seen a huge spike, a huge spike in things like depression, loneliness, a huge spike in suicides, a huge spike in drug use, in alcohol abuse, addiction to pornography, And so, do not believe the lie. The lie that says, I don't need anybody. Replace that lie, I don't need anybody, with I need some bodies, all right? I need bodies, or I need some bodies. Don't say I don't need anybody. So this leads me to probably the best piece of advice I could give you and to myself, and it's simply this. To surround yourself with people who embody the traits you want to possess. Surround yourself with people, with bodies, who embody the traits you want to possess. One of the things that happens when you do that is the positive benefits, the positiveness of the people that you're surrounding yourself, that behavior becomes normalized. It's a really, really cool thing. I'm in this group right now. Granted, it's an online group. There's 21,655 people in there, and we're doing this challenge through the month of August. And it's really hard, Um, but it's really cool to have almost 22,000 people, granted it's virtual, but uh, people who are on this little group and we're kind of challenging each other and we're encouraging each other and we're keeping each other accountable. And that's what's really cool about groups is that we're able to encourage and strengthen each other just by this shared misery, if you will. (laughs) But we're on the same mission, we're on the same mission. 22,000 of us almost are in this like same mission and there's strength that comes from that. It's why it's so important for us to gather here on Sunday mornings. If you ever just like, you know, oh, I shouldn't go today, I just want to sleep in or something like that, but you, you drug yourself here, and that's so awesome, but there's, there's days where you just don't want to do it, you know, but it's so important for us to gather here because we are our people here that are on a mission to find Jesus and love God and help others find Jesus and love God, and there's shared strength and accountability, and we challenge each other with that, and there's... That's why it's so important for us to gather on Sunday mornings. It's why it's so important for us to join a small group. Small groups are things that we do, and I think that is the primary way at Velocity, where we connect people to each other, where we get that strength and accountability and encouragement. So if you've never been in a small group, I really want to highly encourage you to do that. We're having some sign-ups coming in September, and those small groups will start up in October. And you think, well, that's a ways away. Just, Just mark your calendar for it. You're going to be hearing about it next month. But this is, this is where you probably need to be challenged if you're not in a group. We want every single person at Velocity to be in a small group because we know what it can do for you. We can know what it can do for your spiritual walk with Christ and for others. And so I just want to encourage you to join a small group. And if that seems too risky, I mean, Adria already told you about the women's group that's meeting once a month. You know, we would love all the women to gather, and the men who meet on the first Saturday every month. These are opportunities for you to do that, to not be isolated, to make sure that you're growing in your faith and community as well. So surround yourself with people who embody the traits you want to possess, but here's the opposite of that. Don't surround yourself with people who embody the traits you don't want to possess. So the negative of this is true too. Just as an example, if you don't want to become an alcoholic or stay an alcoholic, it's probably really important for you to not hang out with people who every weekend like to party, go to clubs, and drink, where that behavior is normalized. And it doesn't mean, oh, I can't hang out with with people or or talk to people that are having struggles. That's not what I'm talking about. But you know know what I'm talking about, the people that are in your inner circle, your, your best friends. It's really important for you to surround yourself with the people that embody the traits that you want to have. Romans 12, starting in verse 3, Paul writes this. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So Paul is just saying, hey, don't be full of pride. Don't isolate yourself. Okay, here's what I want you to do, and here's how I'm going to tell you how you can do that. So he goes on to write, "'For just as each of us has one body with many members, "'and these members do not have all the same functions, "'so in Christ we, though many, form one body, "'and each member belongs to all the others. "'We have different gifts according to the grace "'given to each of us. "'If your gift is prophesying, "'then prophesy in accordance with your faith. "'If it's serving, then serve. "'If it's teaching, then teach. "'If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. "'If it's giving, then give generously if it is to lead do it diligently if it is to show mercy do it cheerfully so Paul is setting up this analogy And there's other places in the New Testament where it talks about that we are the body of Christ and Christ is the head he's the brains literally of the operation and so the brain tells all the body parts what to do but no body part is more important than the other you might think well the hearts more important than a than a finger or something like that but I I scraped my finger this week, and it really, really hurts. And every time I bang it on something, it hurts all the more. I was not thinking about my injured non-finger until it gets injured. I mean, if you have like a hangnail and it just becomes like your, your focus, I mean, pain brings that out where it's like, hey, that body part's really, really important. I had no idea how often I use the tip of this finger a lot. And my heart suffers from my injured finger because I can't cut like, meat as well, and so my, my body's getting less nutrition because of my injured finger. I'm, you see what I'm saying? Every part relates to another, and so don't think that you, have, you don't have enough gifts to share with people. We, we need you. The body of Christ needs you. You need to receive from the body of Christ, and you need to give to the body of Christ. So every part is equally as important. So we're the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, and all the different parts of the body work together in perfect union. There are over 100, I'll call them one another's in the Bible. So there's that phrase, one another, over 100 times. Here's just six of them to just kind of give you an overview. Serve one another, Galatians 5. Ephesians 4 says, be patient with one another. Romans 12, be devoted to one another. Romans 15, accept one another. 1 Corinthians 7, husbands and wives don't deprive one another of physical intimacy, Man, I love the Bible. That's some good advice, man. Married people, get it on. Uh, Lastly, love one another, John 13. This specific command, these three words, love one another, is found over 12 times in the New Testament. It's on every page of the New Testament about our one another, our relationships with other people. And so this is vitally important to God and our walk with him. So that's road road trip rule number one. Don't travel alone. Let's begin to live out our faith more and more with each other. All right. Road trip rule number two. Stop and ask for directions. This used to be a running stereotype joke, you know, for guys especially. Does anyone have a mug like this? Very generalized, you know, kind of joke here, but guys have a hard time asking for directions. This last week, the Babylon Bee posted this picture, like women have a less hard time of asking for directions or something. I don't know if that's really fun, making fun of a, you know, big crash like that. But that was the stereotypical joke for a long time, that men can never ask for directions and women always do. Uh, But that doesn't happen anymore. You know why? Because we have GPS, we have Google Maps, we have Apple Maps, we have all these ways and all these other things that we never have to stop and ask for directions anymore. So, man, you can just kind of feel emasculated in your own car by yourself. You don't have to embarrass yourself in front of anyone else. Uh, By the way, these maps apps are kind of scary. You know, I, I like having the maps because like when you're traveling north on 95 and you see that big red line, you're like, well, I better get off or something like that. But you know how they get those red lines? It's because they're taking like data from all the people that are on 95. It's kind of weird. There's some server somewhere that's collecting locations of all of us. Like, ew, it's kind of freaks me out. Here's the other thing I don't like about GPS, is that it turns my brain off. All right? um, I grew up in Denver. It's a large metropolis. I knew how to get everywhere. Like 17 years old, I could get anywhere through that city, and now it's like, Ugh. You know, I just like turn off my brain and just put in location. This happened to me a couple couple years ago. I was going to this backpacking uh, uh, trailhead that I've been to a couple times. I know how to get there, but I just put in the the GPS and just kind of let it direct me. Long story short, I found myself on a four-wheel drive trail because I think Google Maps thought, well, I'll save this guy two minutes off of his road trip or maybe a mile. And I, I didn't look at it ahead of time, and pretty soon I'm on a four-wheel drive trail in my, my German automobil, automobile that's about that high off the ground, and it was the most stressed I've ever been driving. I mean, I was scraping the thing. I think I did permanent damage to it, and I was, just, I was more mad at myself. Why did I just turn my brain off for, for that? So that's one of the other downfalls of, of GPS. Uh, five years ago, my health was in serious, serious trouble. I was 45 pounds overweight, and things were not trending. Well, and I spent three years on Google trying to to fix that. Three years, and I had zero results. But here's what happened. I found a guy that was in his mid-sixties who looked great, and when I heard him talk, he made sense to me, and he resonated with me. And so here's what I did. I found out what his routine was, and I copied everything that he does day in and day out. That was it. That was me stopping and asking for directions. It was kind of hard because I wanted to figure this stuff out on my own, but I was lost lost, couldn't figure it out, until I found someone who had traveled the road already, who had been down that path, I was able to glean wisdom from that person and just copy what he did day in and day out. When I was a brand new Christ follower, I became a Christ follower at age 18, I had a youth pastor who mentored me, and I got to meet with him every single week and just ask him questions like, how do you live this this Christian life? and we read, he showed me how to read the Bible, he showed me how to pray, he showed me how to kind of just live this, this Christian walk and I would've been lost without him. When I was a brand new youth, youth pastor out of, out of college, I had a degree that said I'm qualified to do this job, I had no idea. How to talk to middle schoolers, <laughs> I had no idea, I had no experience, and so I found this veteran, 20-year youth ministry veteran, and we meet once a month, and I would just grill him, like, how do you do this, you know, and give me wisdom on all that, and I think it's really important for us to find people in our lives, uh, so I want to encourage you to find someone, and probably someone who's a generation ahead of you, not always the case, but a lot of times there's a generation that's, that's already traveled the path. They've already been on that road trip. They've reached the destination, and maybe that's the destination that you want to have. And just take them out to lunch. Say, hey, I want to ask you two or three questions. And that will be a conversation that will uh, bring you many, many benefits. I mean, just examples of questions you could ask this person. Uh, Is there anything you see in me that's keeping me from the destination that I want to get to? Is there anything, that, that a shortcoming that I have that's that enabled me to not reach that destination? Uh, If you are, let's say you're 20 years old and you're in a dating relationship, it's getting kind of serious. Here's a very dangerous question to ask this person. Hey, does this person bring out my best? Do I bring out the best in that person? Are we good for each other? You might not like the answer to those questions, but they will give you probably the honest feedback that you need if you're seeking it. Uh, Maybe you just need to grow in your relationship with Christ. Find someone who knows how to do that who has walked that path, and say, hey, how do I grow in my relationship with Jesus? Just ask that question, and you'll be amazed at how much wisdom you'll glean from that. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 4, verse 9, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul advises his readers to just copy me, just imitate me. You know, Paul is not bragging. He's just been down that road, and he is here to have you imitate him. He says something similar in 1 Corinthians 11, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So we have the example of the Apostle Paul, which is awesome, but we also have the example of Christ Jesus himself. We have four autobiographies, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, These are historical accounts of what Jesus did, what he said, uh, the things he thought, uh, his practices, his behaviors. He said, whatever you see me doing, it's the Father doing it through me. Whatever you hear me say, it's the Father saying it through me. He modeled a life of 100% complete dependence, and so we can model our lives after that. We're not gonna be you know, Christ-like, but we can imitate our lives the same way that, that he did. Uh, we can see who he hung out with. We can see the only harsh words he ever spoke, and what those contexts of those were. So we have a great clue in how to model our own lives after Jesus. So that's road trip rule number two, to stop, stop. Ask for directions, seek the wise counsel of someone or ones who've already traveled the road, who've arrived at the destination that you want to arrive at too. All right, last one, road trip rule number three, don't pack too much baggage. I think it says luggage, baggage, luggage. Here's what you don't want to be like the Griswolds, okay? You don't want to go on a road trip and think, man, we've got to pack everything. We've got room on the top of the metallic P, you know, so we've got luggage rack, we can just like stuff everything in there, and so what happens? You're hit, ready to hit the road and yeah, it's a bad, a bad situation. So don't pack too much luggage, don't pack too much baggage. Now it's easier on a road trip to pack light a couple of advantages of packing light it allows you to be more mobile when you're traveling so when you're traveling you just you can get to places a lot easier which is pretty cool um you ever go on vacation and you've packed so much stuff and you can't find anything you know because you get to your hotel room and you just like lay it all out and you can't find anything so if you have like a smaller like you know if you pack lighter the the uh, square footage is going to be lessened. I just got back from a trip. Uh, it wasn't a road trip, it was an airline trip. But I packed everything in like one backpack for like, nine days. I know you women are thinking, how did he do that? It was pretty amazing. It was packed pretty full, like the zippers were busting out. But I was amazed at how mobile I could be through the airport. Here's another advantage, is that it really saved me money because I wasn't going on vacation and spending anything like on clothes. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to bring it back. So I'd have bought like nothing there, so good tip. Word to the wise is like pack pack light. And so many of us are weighed down. We're weighed down with, could be physical stuff, could be clutter. Uh, maybe you're always obsessed with accumulating more stuff. Maybe your Amazon wish list or your Amazon prime cart is, is full of things that you wanna purchase, and that's, that's totally fine. We're not gonna to dive too deep into that, but if you wanna go back in our podcast feed or in our YouTube uh, feed, find the series that we did, it's probably the best series we ever did, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And we had a couple of weeks where we talked about you know, physical stuff and clutter and how to kind of minimize that and not let that stuff be our God. Uh, it's a big problem in our culture. But I think there's something that's more common among us in terms of the luggage and the the baggage that we carry, and that's the emotional baggage, the emotional luggage that we all carry. And mostly that's in the form of unforgiveness. It's in the form of unforgiveness. So if you think about this, something we all have in common, something that every human has in common is that we've all been rejected. We have all experienced rejection unrequited love, or everyone that we've accepted, they haven't accepted us back. And so we have been rejected, maybe through no fault of our own, maybe through to fault of our own, but we have been rejected. We have also been insulted. People have said things to you, and maybe it was 20 years ago that they said something to you, and you just rehearse it over and over, and it just fills you with heaviness. So we've all been insulted. Maybe it's something that someone just wrote, you know, they, they put a little comment on social media and they didn't thought nothing of it, but you've been thinking about that for like a couple of years now. And you're like seething with rage and bitterness. And maybe you've just been injured. We've all been injured. Whether that's words or deeds against us, we have all accumulated injuries from other people in life. And so those hurts, those wounds are real. I'm not here to say that they aren't. They, they, they hurt. They hurt bad. And it's like we sit there and we think, that person who wronged us, that was wrong. And they, they owe us. They at least owe us an apology. I mean, that's the least they could do is say they're sorry, but they, they don't care. You know, and that hurts even more. And Now you're even more mad that they haven't done anything to reconcile with you. They owe you a debt, and they haven't paid it, and you're sitting around just, just angry about it. Paul has a couple things to say about that specific thing. Ephesians 4, verse 31, Paul says to get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. He's saying unload it, unload that baggage, it's weighing you down, it's not weighing down the person that hurts you, they're off doing their own thing, they don't care. (laughs) It's weighing you down. Paul says, get rid of all that, get rid of all that bitterness. He didn't say it's easy, you know, but get rid of it. Unload that baggage, it's just weighing you down. Now here's the harsh reality of that. The other side of that coin is that we've all dished out rejection, insults, injuries. We've rejected people. Now you've been rejected, but you've dished it out as well. So have I. You've insulted people. You've said things that you wish you could take back. You've hurt people with your words. And you've injured people, maybe permanently, with your words, your deeds, your actions. And so the next verse in Ephesians gives us some more clues on how to deal with this. Ephesians 4.32, Paul writes, to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be kind be compassionate. That word compassionate means co-passion. The passion of the Christ means to walk with people, walk with their sufferings. All right, so this is what we do. And he says, forgive each other. Again, it doesn't say it's easy. You know, this is not forgive and forget, but this is like unload that baggage. Forgive one another just as in Christ God forgave you. When you realize the sin that Christ has forgiven you, when you realize the burden that he is taking off of you because of your own and my own sin nature, when you understand that we owed a debt that could never be paid and he paid it for us, when you begin to comprehend how weighty your own like personal sin is and how God removed that from you in Christ, we don't have higher standards than God. Maybe you can't forgive yourself That's a big problem among Christians. You know, you've done something and you regret it and you're just beating yourself up year after year. If Christ, God has forgiven you of every sin, past, present, and future, and wiped it away from you, do you have higher standards than God where you can't forgive yourself? And if you are harboring resentment and unforgiveness towards another person, do you have higher standards than God? Because God has forgiven you a debt. God has forgiven that other person their debt. And that's just something we need to wrestle with again i know that we're not god <laughs> we don't have the capacity to forgive as christ forgave but but with god's help we can you know i i believe that is a human endeavor that is not possible that is a spiritual discipline that god and you can be honest with god you can say god i have so much resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart and you're gonna have to work in me you're gonna have to unload this for me because i can't do it so help me to love that person Help me to pray for that person who has wronged me and see if those things begin to allow God to renew your heart and renew your mind and give you more kindness and more compassion. So you can load that. You cannot walk through life being bitter and angry and full of malice and rage. Uh, God wants so much more for us than that. So let me just kind of recap the, the road trip rules. Don't travel alone. So no one stands alone our christian lives are meant to be lived out together stop ask for direction. seek the advice of wise people who have already traveled the path and arrived at the destination that you want to arrive at and lastly don't pack too much baggage don't hold resentment and bitterness in your heart that just burdens you forgive those who have wronged you and be free so if you, do, if you do these three things, not easy. None of these are easy. But if you do these three things, it will ensure that you have a lot less regrets in life and you'll arrive at your future destination safely and with purpose. Let me pray for us. God, tough stuff here. Um, really when we think about these rules, they all have to do, I think, with pride in our heart being self-sufficient and and holding on to things that we have no business holding on to Um, we pray that you would renew our hearts you would renew our minds give us strength to uh, apply any of this that we need to apply Uh, because we want to get down this this road of life with uh, a lot less regrets Uh, help us to look forward and to make decisions now today that will help us and our walk with you will help every relationship that we have together. we ask these things in your name. Amen. Every week at Velocity, we, we take communion. We